How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina, and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music, and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie, and Wrightsville, and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. Right, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the, the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know, that crap like that. You know, all this stuff that's contaminated America where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring Little League anymore. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn fuel box Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast presented by my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, just coming off a hell of a weekend. We had <laughs> rivalry action in the SEC. Been stuffing uh-huh. my face with uh, Thanksgiving Day <laughs> leftovers ever since <laughs> Thursday. Just had a coach firing. I mean, we're we're hot and we're, we're rolling over here, buddy. How you doing? Oh, buddy, I'm telling you what, since Thanksgiving, it's been 100 miles an hour with news outside. It was news in the NFL. It was just everybody. Ain't nobody safe now, Mike. Everybody getting fired, you know. It's already starting. We got kids opting out. We got mm-hmm. players decommitting, players recommitting. I mean, it, it has been a wild, adventurous weekend, and it's just a glimpse of what's to come in this final week, final few weeks we have. We're going to break down the games here in just a second, but... You know, I got to start with the biggest news, I think, in the SEC. Derek Mason, gone 
at Vanderbilt into his seventh year. Mm-hmm. How surprised were you, Shane, that uh, Coach Mason gone from Vanderbilt? Well, um, I'm a little surprised it was this week. Now, I know it was a bad game, but there was a lot. I mean, there was so much damn attention, and I I know we're going to get on to it here in a minute, Mm -hmm. but Vanderbilt got more attention this week than they ever have, and I'm just wondering if that was what pushed them over. It's just, you know, hey, everybody is watching Vanderbilt, and they saw a shit performance, or is, you know, is this – I don't want to call it a news dump, but it just felt like a setup, man. It felt like, hey, let's do something that's never been done only so that we can fire a coach the following day. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? Am I speaking out of turn here? I mean, I mean, let's, we, we got to mention, uh, I, I think the bigger news, obviously, is the fact that we had a woman play in a Power Five college football game. Something that has never been done. So, uh, what what are your thoughts on that, Mike? I, I mean, I, I was I was hoping we'd get at least a, a field goal out of this thing, but uh, uh, I thought it was I thought it was pretty pretty extreme news. Uh, something I wasn't even I didn't even know that this was a a possibility uh, until you know a couple about a week ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, her name's Sarah Fuller. So let's give her credit for breaking that barrier and. You know, I think the biggest thing I saw from this weekend uh, in regards to that specifically was just, you know, say what you want about it. But I did see a lot of like young girls that were pretty fired up to see it. Mm-hmm. And I think if nothing else, I think that that's a hell of a sign of progress. We're just just showing, you know, it's important, not just girls, but but boys and everyone, just everyone, you know, that you that if you work hard and, you know, you never know opportunities come your way and and this may be the next you know there's probably a a little girl that saw that and she'll probably go on to play football in power Mm -hmm. five at some point you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. i think that's the impact of it and i think it's terrific and i'm not trying to downplay sarah fuller at all because i think it was outstanding that uh she was able to do that she just joined the team on tuesday traveled to missouri played in a game that's damn impressive even if no matter what your backstory is shane but so I say all that, Shay, to say this because I don't think that I don't think the team was really on board with this fully. I really don't, and I think that played out on the field. We, you know, we'll get to that game, but I mean, they got steamrolled. This is a Vanderbilt team that had been showing out. They've been improving week by week, and look how many active players, former players, you know, joined in. Now I did see a couple, but I'm not going to mention any names. But just go, I mean, go on their social media feed. See how many of them were fired up for this. Yeah this news and i think it to an extent was a publicity thing where not that you know that they're against uh, again this is not against uh, sarah fuller but i think it's more about vanderbilt saying you know look at this whereas the real story is we've got a god-awful football team here mm-hmm. and we just got blown off the damn field and no one's talking about uh-huh. it because we broke a barrier which should be celebrated but i don't know man i think and if you watch the game, it was every 30 seconds. We got to, you know, pan over to her. We get a first down. Let's see her reaction. You know, and, and it was yeah. just, it was just it was just too much. And it's the same thing like we have we've complained about like freshman quarterbacks when they make a big play that it's yeah. Let's go over to their mom and dad in the stands. It, it's a team <laughs> game, man. You know, it's not an individual right. game. And I thought they made it a little too much of an individual game. Did you uh 
Is it true that she gave a halftime speech? According to her, yeah. So again, that's that's I think that's part of the. I mean, uh, you just joined the team, you know. Again, now what she's done with soccer and the university has been extremely impressive, and, and I'm not taken away from that. But again, let's just take let's just take the the woman part out for a second. I mean, could you imagine a kicker coming in? From your school, let, let's say, because it's happened. I mean, we've we've seen kids get picked up from fraternities here at Tennessee. Could you imagine that kid getting picked up, thrown into the fire, everyone making all the news about him, and him giving a halftime speech to get these players pumped up, and you weren't there with them. You weren't there in August. You weren't there doing the COVID situation and 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 doing the the you know, maybe the two days the the year prior, the fall camps and the spring camps. And I, I mean, it's just, I, it's, this isn't like the pros, man. And you just bring somebody in and all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're, they're leading your team, you know, trying to get them pumped up. Mm-hmm. I, 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 that's so, again, I said, if that were a guy and I'm not trying to take away from, you know, again, what the barrier, you know, this was, this was groundbreaking. This is something that's never been done. Uh, so I, I, it was extremely impressive, but I just think that there was a way to, to handle this. And I'm sure who knows Fuller probably didn't want this attention. You know, she probably wants wanted to come out there and kick some ass and make some field goals. That's, that's probably what her ultimate goal was, but you know, media gets a hold of this thing and they, they just made it a damn, they made it about her. Like you said, they didn't make it about the team. And this is a team, the Vanderbilt, even though they're, they haven't won a game this year. We saw every single week, the last few weeks, total improvement, total buy-in. We talked about how scrappy this team was. We talked about, uh, some of the, uh, rising stars, some of the young freshmen on this ball club, you know, it was a chance for them. And we thought going into this game, I mean, you looked at our score predictions that this was going to be an opportunity for Vanderbilt to possibly get their first sec win. But you know, halfway through this game, you're looking at it and it's, it's just about the kicker. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, there's no there's nothing about the team, and I just I, I just didn't like that aspect of it. And I know it's a delicate thing to handle because there's a lot more eyes on Vanderbilt that would have wouldn't have been if it if it weren't for Sarah. But um, I don't know. I'm with you. It just kind of it kind of took away from what this team was uh, coming into this game. Yeah, but and last thing I'll say, Ben. Again, we'll give her credit. It's incredibly difficult to come on to a, a damn team in the middle of the week and play the game and do what, you know, execute what you're asked to do. She did it flawlessly. So we'll give her credit. Unfortunately, they didn't give her, or she just didn't get a chance to kick an extra point or a field goal. Mm-hmm. I hope she knocks the hell out of one against Georgia. And the funniest thing I saw on Twitter, Shade, as soon as this was uh, made official where she was going to play, someone said, You just know she's going to kick the game winner against Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> That's the state oh, of ball nation man. at the moment. You know what? That's awesome. Yeah, kudos to her. I mean, you might, I mean, if you called me Tuesday to play a game Saturday, you're out of your damn mind. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to give me like a three-year head start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guarantee she kicked it about five times further than I did. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, that I mean that part's great. And again, that's not what we're doing. We're at, you know we're. We're, we're all for this. We were all for it when it came out. And, um, 
you know, and and I just didn't want to take from her. But I'm like you, Mike. I, I just I felt like this was two stories mm-hmm. playing out here. We've got a team that's been struggling uh, under Coach Mason, uh, but a team that has been improving. It felt like in, in showing showing signs of life toward the end of this season. And then, of course, you had Sarah's news. Uh, so it, it, it's a it's a it's delicate to, to, to handle both. I mean, hell, look at us, man. We're fumbling around on this start of this podcast. Cause we don't, we want to talk about how great it is, but we also want to talk about the, the, you know, coach Mason getting fired because they're sitting there at uh what? Oh, and eight now. Oh, and seven. What are they? Oh, and eight right now. Yeah, man. I mean, so something that's, I don't, th- I, I can't remember the last, I don't think it's ever been done. So, uh, Granted, it's all SEC, and that's not fair to really look at that. But anyway, let's get to Coach Mason. Uh, I, this was groundbreaking news as well. Let's save the Mason stuff for uh, when we get to Missouri. But, uh, oh. man, we got some some great rivalry games here to break down. Unfortunately, not really any of them went down to the wire, but <laughs> still enjoyed each and every one of them. Shane, you ready to recap uh, these games we had? Yes, sir. All right, Chase, so we got to start with – the Iron Bowl, just because, you know, the gravity of that game and Nick Saban. Hell, we, since the last time we talked, Nick Saban got COVID this time for real. So he was not at the game. And Steve Sarkeesian had to take over. He did a hell of a job because, once again, Alabama's offense just went gangbusters. Mac Jones, you know, he's not flawless, but he's damn near close to it. Five touchdowns, no interceptions, 302 yards passing. And, I mean, they basically did whatever the hell they wanted against Auburn. Uh, This game really kind of came down to a couple things, in in my opinion. Auburn, you know, they had some drives relatively early in the game, but they they just kept getting stalled when they were getting close to scoring range. They had to settle for some field goals. And then the big one right before half, you know, it was kind of funny because Devonta Smith, you know, he, I believe it was the first touchdown of the game, his uh, huge play right down the middle of the field mm-hmm. and then Auburn basically had the same exact play called Seth Williams right before halftime completely wide open Bo Nix not a perfect throw but right on him should have had it and he just drops a sure touchdown and at that point it was just so deflating and like I said that was right before halftime that would have given Auburn some momentum but it was just it just wasn't Auburn's day they could never get the ground game going uh, well, they did have 120 yards, but Tank Bigsby yeah. only only 39. He was still banged up, and if if they can't get him going, they just don't have an offense. That's it, man. Bigsby. I mean, Tank Tank was given everything he had, but you could clearly see he wasn't at 100. Um, percent Auburn. I mean, this was a game of just. I mean, you had to play flawless ball to to beat Alabama to just stay in the game with Alabama, and you could not afford any mistakes and that's what Auburn had a lot of a lot of mistakes a lot of drive ending mistakes that that just couldn't they just couldn't get in it man and uh kudos to Alabama man they 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 did what they came in there to do they ran the ball they passed the what I mean you you talk about Devontae it's like okay let's cover this cat all right this this is the best player on this team <laughs> and he just goes out 
seven receptions, 171 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, he was an absolute beast and animal. So I, a little frustrated. Obviously we didn't get our pick show out, but uh, we did tweet out our picks and this was my lock of the week <laughs> uh, at a hundred dollars on Auburn. And uh, I should have known, man, I should have known that this was not even a game. Now you mentioned Devonta Smith, seven catches, 171, two touchdowns. I mean, he was just so explosive in this one. Hit a couple of big plays. And I'm starting to see some Heisman buzz for Devonta Smith, Shane. And, you know, clearly Alabama's not going to have two guys win the Heisman. Right. But are you starting to see to where – now it's been a while since we've seen, uh, you know, the Ohio State or Clemson quarterback, so maybe that's part of it. But starting to see growing buzz, Shane, for maybe Devonta Smith getting some Heisman love. And so let me ask you this because – I mean, we'll get to Florida. They might have two of their own, but I don't know how many Heisman finalists you're allowed to have this year, but could you see a scenario where Mac Jones and Devonta Smith are Heisman finalists? Uh, definitely. I, I, I think he's pretty much secured a spot, man. I mean, you're talking about a guy that is breaking records. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's not like he's just – I mean, you could probably throw Elijah Moore – uh, Elijah Moore in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another one that's that's just crazy impressive right now. But but Smith is just, I I mean he, he became that offense when uh, Jalen went down, and and that's the that's when you think of a Heisman, you think of a player that is a total game changer, one that just takes and that's exactly what happened. And so I I've got to put him in the list right now, especially the way he's been playing lately. Hmm. All right, Shay. Well, let's kick it over to uh, Nick Saban, who after the game, you know, he did a zo- one of these Zoom calls. Well, that, they're all doing Zoom this year, but it was just so funny because Saban was doing it from home. He was doing it from his poker or his uh, billiards room there, and he had on a suit and tie. I th- that was the first time I've ever been on a Zoom call, Shane, with uh, what, someone on the other end with a suit and a tie. But he talks about the job Steve Sarkeesian did filling in for him. On uh, you know, all of a sudden Alabama's defense—they're looking. You know, like an Alabama defense here at the, that's got to be a damn scary sight for the rest of the country. And then on uh, Malachi Moore, the true freshman defensive back, he got a shout out during this game from Tyron Matthew, that the former LSU great, talking about mm-hmm. uh, how he looks like a little honey badger out there. <laughs> Nick, just wondering how many of those true in-game decisions did Steve have to make in his new role today? I didn't think there was a lot. I didn't think there was a lot of those, you know, real tough situations that came up, you know, a couple times that, you know, we made it on third down that we could have might have gone for it on fourth down. And, uh, but those, those decisions really didn't really come up. Um, but I thought he was well prepared for, you know, what he needed to do. And, um, you know, I, I, I think he did a really good job. Coach, how have you seen your pass rush grow and develop over the last few weeks to get to the point where they can affect Bo Nix like this? Well, I, I think that our entire defense has kind of, you know, improved and gelled, you know, together as a unit. All 11 guys playing better. I think we play a little better in the back end than what we were playing in the beginning. I think we've got a little better pass rush. Uh, I think we're using more players, you know, now, uh, which I think, you know, enhances uh, everybody's opportunities to have a role and uh, be able to go out there and contribute. So, um, 
you know, we made a couple of mistakes in the secondary that could have been really costly. You know, the guy drops the ball when he's 20 yards behind everybody, you know, in the second quarter, uh, which was a bust on defense. And, you know, there's a couple others on third down that we needed to get off the field on and didn't uh, because of a couple mental errors. But, you know, Auburn does a really, really good job offensively. They, they use a lot of formations, a lot of motions. You really have to be on your toes in terms of how you adjust. And um, sometimes, for the most part, we did a really good job, but we made a couple errors that, you know, helped them make some plays, especially on third down. Nick, certainly, Alakai Moore is not a finished product yet. But in terms of when sort of the light went on, from him, when did you see that? Because he's been playing with a lot of confidence lately. Yeah, well, I think that early in the season, uh, we saw a lot of stuff. Missouri, Ole Miss, you know, those games were really tough for the defensive players, especially the young ones. They saw about everything that, you know, you could see from a formation and adjustment uh, standpoint. But I think they learned a lot from it. And uh, I think Malachi is the kind of guy that, you know, he might make a mistake once, but when he learns, he's smart. He's, he gets it right the next time. So the cumulative effect of those experiences, I think, has made him a lot more confident. Uh, and uh, he's played really, really well for us. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that he'll continue to improve. Uh, but we're certainly pleased with the progress that he's made to this point. Um, two questions. First, uh, what were the circumstances when you were yelling at the TV? Uh, when did you see me yell at the TV? At the beginning in your opening statement, you mentioned yelling. <laughs> I think I did yell at the TV a couple times today. Um, a couple times when we made some mistakes in coverage. Uh, a couple times when we missed some tackles. Um, a couple times when Mac didn't throw the ball to the guy I thought he should have thrown it to. <laughs> I, still, I guess it was more than a couple. Um, but... I would like to ask you a question because I don't know where you got your get up there, but I sure would like to get one like that. All that matching mask and yellow and gold. It looks good, man. It look, really looks classy. I like that look. All right, Shade. So, you know, I talked about this last week. Alabama now number one in the SEC in scoring defense. They'd been number one in offense of scoring all, all season long, I believe. But, hell, they've allowed – 16 points in their last three SEC games. I mean, this is, uh, they're, they're looking, you know, they were already looking like a championship team, but now it looks like it's, we're almost reaching the point where no one's going to even name compete with them. Doesn't it seem like that? Mm-hmm. Do you think he wore pants in this thing? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's no way to know, man. There's no way to know. I'll tell you, old Terry, he's probably getting a kick off this. Hey, let me ask you, uh, just real quick, uh, because I, there was a lot of great comments. Did you play the ones uh, where he's yelling at the TV and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I just, I mean, could you imagine every every game, every college football game of your team, you've always been there since his dad passed. I think that's what the stat said. The last time he missed was when he was up there at, uh, was it Kent? Kent State? Mm -hmm. And, uh and his father passed away. But since then, he's not missed a game. And um, I, I bet it was unreal. And and there, I thought it was telling, too, just because I was curious. Is this something that maybe his wife takes a little bit more serious than he does and he wants him out? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just thinking, Mike. And, and But listen to Saban talk about watching this on the TV. You could clearly tell 
he was a hundred percent, hundred and fifty percent missing the action. I don't think Nick Saban ever retires, man. I think just like if like when the Lord takes him, you know, whether he be a hundred thirty years old, I still think he's going to be on the sideline, Mike. I, I just I think he's going. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I just that's the vibe. He's still sharp. He's still got it all. But that just I don't know. Just the passion of watching the game. He felt like us, man. All these fans out here yelling at the TV, and he didn't like it. I could see it, man. Winning some kind of national championship or something. They're carrying him off, you know, on their shoulders, and he just passes right then and there. He'd probably be the damn happiest man there ever was, you know, if we went in his 26th national title <laughs> or whatever. God, number, who knows what number it'll be by that point, you know what? Exactly. Take that, Bear. All right, on the flip side of this, well, let's uh, kick it down to Gus Malzahn. Talked about uh, Auburn's offense stalling in the red zone. That was critical in this one on uh, not being able to get the running game going and then on how do you rebound from this tough loss. Gus, it seems like every time you guys got you know near the 30-yard line, the offense kind of stalled out and had to settle for a couple field goals. Uh, just what happened when you guys got in the scoring range there? Um, you know, a few times we shot ourselves in, in the foot. Um, I think we went backwards a couple times, uh, had a couple opportunities. Uh, but uh, that, that's the name of the game. And, you know, when you get in, in the red zone, you got to score touchdowns uh, against the number one team in the country on, on the road. We didn't do that. And, uh, you know, that, the frustrating thing for me is we never really got close enough to apply any pressure on them. And, uh, you know, they could play loose really the entire game. Hey, guys, when the offense has done well these last few games, y'all been able to run the ball. Yeah. Obviously, we weren't, weren't able to do that yeah. as well today. Do you have a reason for that? And, two, how much did that hurt the offense as a whole? Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, we didn't run the football very effective. Um, and, you know, we're, we're when we run the football, we're, we're a good offense. We weren't able to do that consistently, and that was tough. I mean, we had some new guys in, but you got to give them credit. They're pretty stout up front. But, uh, but that was a factor, um, you know, today. Gus, this is kind of an unusual situation with the fact there's two SEC games now for you guys after the Iron Bowl. Just how important is it for this team to kind of shake this off and yeah. get ready for the next That's, that's what we talked about in the locker room. I mean, you, you got to be big boys. You got to take it like a man. Um, they got after us. They whipped us. But we've got two games left. This is an unusual season, obviously. Um, you know, we'll, we'll need to rebound. Our, our, you know, we'll uh, need to rebound like we did earlier in the season, and it's a grind, but that's just part of it. And uh, playing a really good team next week at home, it'll be good to get back home and then uh, try to get some of our guys healed up. All right, Chase. So you know, for so many reasons, I mean, we could just go down the damn list of why this season has been unique. But here we are facing a new another challenge because the Iron Bowl is always the final game of the regular season. But now, this year, given all the you know, uniqueness of it, Auburn's got to flip that script, turn around the game they've been thinking about 365 days of the year. They've got to move on from that and face Texas mm-hmm. A&M. I mean, it's going to be an incredibly difficult challenge. How do you think uh, Auburn will respond to something like it? Uh, it's going to be tough, man, because this was embarrassing. Um, a lot of folks, myself included, thought that this would be a closer game, and you know, I, you've got the quarterback Bo Nix sending out. Crypt, yeah, you know, he. I don't know if you heard that, but it, it got 
it got some of the boys fired up when he was talking about Jones just being kind of a mm -hmm. systematic game manager quarterback, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, th these guys, when you're at this level, it, it, it takes just minute things like that to get your team fired up. And, and they came out and played violently. And I think, I think Auburn gave everything they had and that's deflating when you've got to, you can't, think about last week because now you got another team that's also a college football playoff contender uh, and, and you said so that you need more steam it's almost it's you can't that you don't have time to 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 ponder of, of what things happen you need to focus on what's coming up and what scares me about that is um i don't know i i, I haven't seen it yet i haven't seen uh you thought you think about the georgia game when they lost that one, you know, they, they kind of just creeped in the following week. They didn't, I didn't see the rebound and, and that comes down to coaching staff that comes out to seniority and uh, team leaders on there. So those, those are the boys that's got to get them focused and, and rallied because their national championship was last week and they're out in their mind and they lost it. So there's a good chance that they could be hung over rolling into this week. Last thing I got on Auburn Shane before we move on, but you know, this is uh, year two, obviously, for Bo Nix, and he started every game of his career. Any concern from you that, uh, you know, I don't think you can call this guy a young guy anymore. I mean, he started more than Mac Jones. He started more than Kyle Trask. And I know he doesn't have, you know, the same talent around him, although he does have very, very good talent. When you look yeah. at these running backs and receivers, I'm thinking specifically of the the offensive line doesn't match those other two teams I just mentioned, but any concern that uh, you know we're so f so far into basically halfway into Bo Nix's career here, and we can't count on him to you know carry the the offense here. And, and I guess I'm not saying he should have just went out here and and beat Alabama by himself or something, but it just seems like we're still at the point where if we can't run the ball, you know, if we're not dominant on the ground. We got no chance mm -hmm. to win it for Auburn, and I don't think that's what you thought you were getting. And I'm I'm not r completely writing Bo Nix off because I don't think they lost this game because of him or anything. But right, you know, I would have thought he'd be like a little bit more of a, you know, just kind of <laughs> kind of like the focus focus of the offense. And I'm not seeing it. No, I, I'm with you, man. And, and this wasn't what we were sold when he was being recruited. And I'm sure there's a lot of Auburn fans, but. You got to remember the style of offense they ran. They they they've kind of got him painted in a quarter. If, if you can't get the running game going, it, it does fall on Bo Nix's shoulders. And sometimes, man, this team reminds me of like remember that movie, The Replacements. <laughs> yeah. When they came with in, with yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then like real gimmicky, they're like, "Oh, look, Schwartz, the fastest guy in the world." Then you look over here. Oh, look, it's tied in. He's 300 pounds. Isn't that awesome? It's just like, what are we doing here, man? Are we playing college football? Or are we just trying to just be different? I, I don't understand. Some to, and it, so when, but you, when you're watching that style of offense in this, it, it just, I don't know. I don't think that helps Bo Nix because they, he does have talent. He does have great receivers, but the way that our offense is positioned, if you can't run the damn ball and you become one dimensional, then, then it's just Bo Nix trying to do it all. And a lot of times he's trying to do it with his legs. And that's when he gets in a lot of trouble because sometimes he, it's about like his pocket awareness. Sometimes he gets outside the pocket when he doesn't need to, he needs to step up in it, but he's just 
when he gets to that point, he's always thinking, man, I got to run. I got to go. And mm-hmm. next thing you know, they're, they're getting, they're, they're, they're starting them out. Next thing it's second and 18 and, and now you're behind the chains. All right, Shen, let's move on to uh, Texas A&M still a top five team. They beat LSU 20 to seven, but this man, this was a damn ugly ass game where, I mean, LSU just had nothing going basically the entire game. This was, uh, this was back, you know, Kellen Mond's been so good this year, but this is one of those performances where you watch it and it looks like maybe last year or the year prior when you just <laughs> were sitting here wondering what in the hell we do we have in Kellen Mond? Why is he not progressing? This one was like that. Now, I do think probably should have saw this coming with the 21-day layoff. We've seen some teams, you know, come out of that and be really fresh. I think the Aggies came out of it really, really rusty, and it showed in this one. I mean, the only thing they really had going for them was uh, Isaiah Spiller. He had a huge performance, 141 yards on the ground and a 52-yard touchdown. But beyond that, man, at least the Aggies' defense, I mean, they were like gangbusters out there. This was almost the same game plan that uh, Auburn had going up against Tank Finley where, you know, we got to blitz him, we got to confuse him. But Texas A&M mm-hmm. took it to another level, and their defense won this game because they damn near shut out LSU. LSU didn't score until I think there was about 30 seconds left in the ball game. So uh, that kind of gives you an indication of the sloppy, sloppy game we had here. You know, not a totally impressive win, but – Hell, it's a win. I mean, you're talking about SEC. I can't believe we're having to defend, mm-hmm. you know, the Aggies <laughs> for, for winning a damn college football game by nearly 20 points when they completely right. shut down LSU for the entire game. And the announcers, my God, Shane, I mean, for the, I'd say the entire fourth quarter, they were just talking about how, you know, this isn't good enough. This is not going to impress the playoff committee. And then they start talking NFL, and it's <laughs> – and it's because this was a non-competitive game, yet they're sitting here bashing the Aggies. So, I don't know what what's your take on this, Shane? Where I mean, are we Texas A&M? Texas A&M's number five in the nation. Do we have to sit here and make it? Uh, you know, do they have to apologize for only winning by thirteen? You shouldn't have to, Mike. You really shouldn't have to. But we're at that point. I mean, when they dropped that that first college football playoff thing you saw that they're on the outside looking in and they've got to do something impressive. They Nobody's talking about this game, Mike. Hell, I mean, between the two teams, they went four for 32. Four for 32 <laughs> on third downs, Mike. This was an extremely boring and, I mean, yeah, defense wins championships, but damn, <laughs> defense also makes me switch the channel to another damn game. <laughs> and this committee is the same way, so... Yeah, this was their opportunity to uh, to to show the country that that they belong in the in the four. And, and I know they say style points, and Jimbo's going to get on here in a minute and talk about it. But uh, you you can't afford to have this thirteen point game. That's what people are going to see, and they're going to see. There's no impressive stats coming out of here. This it's it was it was an ugly. But it was a good game, I mean, because you got the victory. Obviously, they say there's no such thing as an ugly victory. But mm-hmm. I'm telling you, when you get to the tail end of this season, you're trying to get into a college football playoff, and you don't have a championship game to go to, yeah, every game's important, including the wins. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's uh, kick it over to Jimbo Shane, talking about 
you know, if the Aggies need to win impressively, uh, De- DeMarvin Leal, I mean, he was huge in this game for the Aggies. He was the anchor of that defensive line that was just all over the place with uh, seven tackles, tackle for loss, kept all over the quarterback. And uh, he talked about getting Anaya Smith more involved. Maybe that's part of it. And then if you missed it, Kellen Mond's fumble. You were talking about the third down, Shane. This was a fourth and one. Kellen Mond <laughs> goes Superman over the top and loses a day of ball. So uh, that pissed off Jimbo pretty good right there. Okay, and secondly, are you concerned? Do you feel like uh, or is there a need to, uh, with you know being so high in the, in the playoff uh, discussion, to not just win but win with some style points? I just, I, I'm not worried about the playoff. I'm worried about playing football and playing good football. And we play good football will take care of itself. Everything will take care of itself. Whatever happens on that, we need to play good football and everything will take care of itself. It has nothing to do with that. Jimbo, I wanted to ask you about the disruption of DeMarvin Leal, especially in the first half and kind of setting the tone for that defense. Yeah, I'm going to tell you that. That guy's talented now. Inside, outside, pass, rush, play the run. He is a talented, talented young football player, man. Get, only getting better and better and does a great job with leadership. Outstanding in the game. Yeah, uh, Jimbo, I, can you remember a time where you hit a quarterback that much and only had three sacks to, to show for? I mean, how, how incredible was your – especially the blitzes, well-timed blitzes on both those QBs with the safeties and linebackers? We were, we were getting home, and, and like I say, even when you weren't, you were still getting hits on a quarterback. And I don't care who you are, what you are, the best in the business, when you get hit, it affects you. And, uh, you know, it affected us too on our side too. But, I mean, our defense was outstanding, getting the pressure, making the ball come out, making deflections, caused the one interception, which we got the big turnover for the touchdown, which was outstanding by Buddy and the defense. And I can't remember who got the pressure on that play. But somebody got a hit. I remember they were all around him. And, uh, man, that, they, they were outstanding in the game. So Mike did a heck of a job on defense. Jim, I wanted to ask you about Anaya Smith. Such a dynamic player, but he only had three touches for you. Do you think about maybe mixing him in or running back again just to get him going? What what can you do to get him the ball? Right, we got to get open. Got to get him the ball. He had some routes. He was open. We didn't get him the ball. He had some chances to make. You know, he got to get open on some man coverages. And, you, got, you know, it works both ways. I mean, and things that go there. They take him there. Hey, take it away from Isaiah, too. But we put him back there in some at the end. But uh, you, know, you got to get open. You got to catch a ball. We got to get throw it to you when you're open. It's a combination thing. We definitely need to get him more touches. There, that's for sure. Yeah. The last thing, um, the, uh, the the Kellen's fumble when you are down around the five yard line on fourth down. Uh, do you, did you? Did you don't you ever stick it out. You don't ever stick it out. Yeah. You got to push. We had push on the right side. Got a hole in there. We got to stay behind it and push and get. You can't jump up and stick the ball out like that. Did you sense uh, something within your team, a frustration or, a, you know, wind out of the sails, so to speak? No. I mean, we our energy was good, our tough. We just didn't play well. Okay. And it wasn't because of want to. It wasn't because of their desire. It wasn't because of any of those things. We just did not play well, and, and it kept rolling, and we did some uncharacteristic things, and we got to get fixed. All right, Shade. So, you know, Jimbo's downplaying it, but I think you're right, and I think the Aggies, you know, they're feeling the need. They've never been in this position where – you know, we're in the college football playoff rankings. We're right outside the door of playing for it all. The way they were playing before they had to take these weeks off, they look like a team that was worthy of that college football playoff ranking. And, again, I'm not sitting here. It's I feel kind of ridiculous that I have to sit here and defend the Aggies, but the way they played on Saturday, no, they, did, they don't deserve it. But that's, yeah. that's just one game. We got a couple left to play here, but uh, it certainly seemed like it feels like the Aggies were pressing in this one. Yeah, no, it, it really did. 
And I, I think, some, like you said, I think the time off just kind of made things a little bit sloppy. And um, I, I'm just, I don't know. I was, I was expecting more from Tamu here and uh, just didn't get it. And I will say, I will say this, as far as the defensive side, I was impressed on both sides. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, I thought LSU did fantastic. If you if you told me that they were going to hold Texas A&M to twenty points, I'd say, damn, we we we're probably going to have a hell of a ball game here. I just didn't know LSU was only going to score seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bo Pelini was a problem at the beginning of the season. Now, I mean, he didn't strictly mm-hmm. call him out, but Ed Orgeron basically <laughs> said, "Old uh, Steve Ensminger's a problem now." So, uh-huh. yeah, for for LSU in this matchup. Some big issues here. T.J. Finley's pick six interception. That was that was the one that sealed the game. That was the only points for the Aggies in the second half. Gave them a twenty point lead. And the way LSU was playing, you just knew there was no chance they were going to win this game. And then the, if you missed it, there was a big uh, after Kellen Mond's fumble. LSU turned right around, hit him with a deep bomb, and then the next play they scored a touchdown. But it was reviewed, called. The receiver did not catch the ball. didn't come down with it. I think, and I'm going to piss off LSU here, <laughs> I think it was the right call. And uh, it, he, he certainly did catch it. He had a foot in, and then he's fallen down, and he, and he loses the ball, and then he fell on his back out of bounds. So, to me, he just didn't complete that catch. You know what I mean? You're right. And that's how I saw it, and I, I believe that's how the ref saw it. So, And then uh, <laughs> after they – Turned over that uh, touchdown. They threw an interception the very next play. That was basically all she wrote for LSU. So let's kick it over to Coach O, who talks about T.J. Finley and his pick six. And, he, I mean, he laid into his ass after this one on uh, that reversal of the touchdown. And then he kind of calls Steve Ensminger. He calls him out here, kind of throws him under the bus a little bit here, I thought. And, obviously, there was that T.J. Finley interception. I guess just kind of what were your feelings on that play, and obviously you had a little conversation. Yeah, on that. I just told him, don't, don't, you know, just protect the football. You know, don't throw the ball away like that. You know, it was a freshman mistake, but, yeah, I wanted him to learn that, that that's not acceptable. We got to take, just take the sack, but don't throw the football away. And then uh, with, with T.J. Finley and Max Johnson, I mean, you guys tried both of them throughout yeah. this game. How much did you all try to kickstart things and – how many things did you see just not work? Inconsistent, very inconsistent. I thought the offense was inconsistent all day. Uh, they, they had a great plan on defense. Uh, we didn't match the plan. We should have had a better plan on offense. We couldn't run the ball. We couldn't protect. You know, it's not all the quarterback's fault. I mean, he was running for his life all day. Both of them were. So uh, just got to look at the film and get a better plan. Hey, Ed, I want to do, uh, take, take you back to the uh, reversal of uh, Butte's touchdown off the board. And then uh, come back with the you know with the interception. Just uh, how yeah. quickly you know you go ten seven right there. You got to be feeling pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, yeah. you know I thought he had it. Obviously, I thought he had it. We said they gained possession uh, when he hit the ground. Uh, I thought I thought he had it when the the ball crossed the goal line. I thought he had possession, but hey, you know they're not gonna listen to me, right? But that that was a big turnaround. Then, then we throw an uh, interception. It was a big turnaround. We had some spots in the game where we could have took over. Our defense was playing well. We just couldn't punch it in on offense. I had a you know question on Jay was already answered, but uh, you know bouncing off of this too. I mean, whenever you're so close in these games, uh, in, in spots where it just seems like the offense just you know hasn't got that. How do you approach talking to this team? And you got yeah. a couple other uh, tough opponents ahead. What, yeah. what where in this offense can you find yeah. something 
that will have success yeah. in the future. Yeah, you know, it's, it's all starts up front with the blocking. I mean, uh, there was no room for us to run the football. I think we got to call better players. I think we got to have a better plan. I was really disappointed in our plan, disappointed in our execution, and, and disappointed with most. But I thought, you know, like a guy like Terrence Marshall, look how hard he played. Look at the catches that he made. You know, uh, we got to use these guys better. We got to have a better plan. Yeah, and uh, Ron Higgins, what do you, what do you think you could have done differently with offensive plan? Because yeah. man, you really couldn't throw because you couldn't block anybody. Yeah, it starts with protection. You know, we had some guys free. We had some guys free hitting the quarterback. Uh, we were getting beat off of the edge. You know, we just got to look at the protection. I, I think that every time that you're going to throw the ball, it starts with protection first. Obviously, we want to get a lot of guys out, but maybe we should have kept more guys in. I think that uh, they had a good plan for our uh, protections, and uh, we didn't adjust to it as well as we should have. All right, Shane. So, you know, I've seen some mixed reaction to some of this stuff with Coach O's. You know, some people think he's melting down by, you know, getting in his quarterback's face and calling out his play callers and all this. But, you know, this is kind of, this is what you get with Coach O. And I certainly think he's a good coach. This is a just been a terrible year for them and with all the defections. And, and hell, we just found out that uh, Terrence Marshall, he's opting out. He's been mm-hmm. their best player this year. We're going into damn Alabama game. And one of the guys that Coach O's been hyping up the last couple of weeks as being a team leader, Terrence Marshall had a, you know, he led like a players only meeting about a week ago and, and talked about <laughs> how he could, he could long be gone, you know, and now he's out. So, uh, he said, hell with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gone, man. <laughs> that's just kind of a sign of the times here in Baton Rouge, and it's just, uh, man, it's a tough spot. Well, half the offensive production. Yeah, Hawk, think about this. There was like 200, they had 260 total yards. 130 of that came from a guy just opted out. I mean, this this offense is starting to bleed a little bit, Mike. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about Bruce Banner. You know, it's 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 not Roof Ruffalo, Bruce Banner. We're we're like Ed Norton, Bruce Banner right now. Now let me ask you this, because now Marshall's out, and obviously Jamar Chase never suited up. Yeah. Do you think? And God knows, there's been many, many others. Do you think this is just? I mean, it's so hard to pin it on one thing, and I I don't want to call anyone out here. I mean, Terrence Marshall put it on the line for for so much. Would have liked to see him. You know, he's been banged up too, so maybe that's part of it where, I don't know. I mean, hell, if he's, if he's catching 130 yards, 10, you know, he's he can't be that hurt, I guess. But I guess my question to you, Shane, is this, uh, do you think the players have a lack of belief in Coach O's program right now? Or is it just like this is kind of what we expected when – Hell, the season. I mean, what in the hell is LSU playing for now? Let's just let's just get the hell out of here. Yeah, I think it's a combination. I don't. I, again, I don't want to put it all on the players, but this right. it, this is one of those deals that yeah, I guarantee. If you had an interview with every player on that team, they were expecting a repeat. They were expecting to go out there and just keep kicking ass like they did the year prior. The problem is, they they just weren't ready. 
And uh, you, there's a lot of factors. Obviously, 2020 has been crazy. So we didn't have the spring practice. We didn't have the fall practice like we usually do. We've got a new defensive coordinator, a new defensive scheme. We've got uh, a new quarterback. I mean, just think of the just the roster itself, just the turnover that you had from, from last year. So we knew there was going to be a learning curve, but we thought it would ramp up pretty quick. And that's not what we've seen. We've seen a lot of opt-outs. We've seen injuries. And there's so there's a there's a lot of factors that goes into the the four losses that they had this year. And uh, I'm I'm not like I said I don't want to put it on the players. I don't want to put it on Coach O. I think it's it's just a cumulative effect here of everything going on. And now your seniors, the, the the leaders of your team, are opting out. So that also shows me what's going on behind the scenes and in that locker room. Hey, Shay, well, before we move on, let's uh, remind the listeners we're brought to you by MyBookie, the online sports book. Head on over to MyBookie.ag today. All new customers receive a 100% deposit match up to $1,000. That means if you're a new customer to MyBookie.ag and you put in the promo code THATSEC, that's T-H-A-T-S-E-C, they will match your initial deposit up to $1,000 so you could potentially start with $2,000 to gamble on, Shane, immediately. And we mm. got this college football firing up. We're going to get into some some picks here. But, man, I'm just fired up that college football is finally here. And the only thing that makes football better, in my opinion, is drinking some beer and betting all these games. So <laughs> head on over to mybookie.ag. Once again, that promo code is that SEC over at mybookie.ag. Thousands of cross-sports wagers, props, parlays, all that Winning season begins today only at my bookie with that promo code that SEC. All right, Shane, let's kick it on down to uh, Gainesville, where number six in the nation, Florida, keeps rolling along here, beats Kentucky thirty-four to ten. And believe it or not, Shane, I mean you wouldn't know it by looking at that final score if you missed the game, but Kentucky was up ten-seven in this ball game, mm-hmm. and. Dan Mullen got into Todd Grantham's ass if you missed it. I mean, he just <laughs> tore into him. And after that point, I don't know what he said to him. Well, he'll he says what he said to him, but he's you know, he's he's full of shit on on his on how he responded. But whatever he said to him worked because just listen to this drive chart, Shane. After uh Kentucky, they scored a touchdown on a field goal, back to back drives. Then they go three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, four and out, three and out. Five play interception end of game. I mean, it was just dominant. And then with Florida, you know, I think that's something that uh, if you don't follow, you know, football, it, you know, the insides and outs of of how these guys work. When Dan Mullen was tearing into Todd Grantham, it was after Florida's offense started the game really slow, and there was a turnover by the Gator offense. And Grantham's defense actually held him to a field goal. But I think that's more Dad Bullen, you know, getting his own frustrations out. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how these things work. And after that, hell, Florida's offense kicked it into high gear. Kyle Pitts back into action. Three touchdowns in this one. Five catches, 99 yards. And it was kind of like, I, I remember when I threw it out there right after Dan Mullen said, you know, Kyle Pitts is back this week. All yeah. the Kentucky fans were like, <laughs> oh god here we go <laughs> and they nailed it because uh i mean he's out running cornerbacks of course they you know they say he's a tight end he's really more of like a, just a big receiver but 
he's just such a freak out there that Kyle Trask, I mean, let's give him the credit. He deserves to be the Heisman frontrunner, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's got these freaks like Kyle Pitts to throw the ball to, and once they got rolling, once they made the adjustments on defense, I mean, they just embarrassed Kentucky in the second half, and once again, we're sitting here wondering, what in the hell are we doing on, on the offensive side of the ball for the Kentucky Wildcats? Oh, man. So, yeah, let's go through some bad bets this uh, Saturday, Mike. Uh, I'm watching this game, right, and it, it's coming on. I don't have any money on the Florida Gators or Kentucky. And the first thing they talk about is all the people that aren't playing because of COVID. I was like, man, Florida's going to kill this team. You know, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to put a little 50. I'm going to put 50 on it. So I put $50 on it. Spreads at 24 and a half. Well, <laughs> then as soon as I put the damn thing, it, it felt like Kentucky just had an answer for everything Florida did. And like you said, this was a damn ball game for a long time mm-hmm. uh, until they did kick it in gear. And when they did, it was impressive. But still, this is one of those that, well, a couple of other bad breaks. And then, you know, this is a fourth quarter game. And that's that's not what you want from the sixth team in the nation. This is another team that's trying to audition to get to a college football playoff. So, um, and, and kudos to Kentucky. I, I know a lot of people may look at that scoreboard and uh, look at what all happened, but they're one good quarterback away from making this a ball game. Yeah, I, I mean Terry Wilson. I, I'm I'm out on him. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's I've been out on him for a long, long time. But yeah, sixty-two damn, he, yards, two interceptions in this one for yeah. Terry. Crucial interceptions, man. Pivotal interceptions, <laughs> like. When they happened, it was the momentum Florida needed to put this game away, and uh, you, you just can't you just can't have that and, and compete with a team like the Gators. Hmm. Well, let's kick it over to uh, Coach Mullen, Shane, who talked about uh, you know the defense of Florida turning it around on the, that ass chewing he gave Todd Grantham on having Kyle Pitts back in the lineup, and believe it or not, Shane, there was a lot of Kentucky defenders talking trash to Kyle Pitts. I could. I mean, what a mistake that was. Uh, yeah, Dan, uh, can you just talk about, uh, I mean, it seemed like a, a similar game to what we've been seeing in terms of your defense struggling, and then all of a sudden the second half really turning it on. They were, they need to give up 21 points until you put the backups in. I mean, 21 yards in yeah. the second half until you put the backups in. Well, I, I think that shows, you know, I mean, our, our, our defensive coaches, you know, uh, we, have, we have good defensive coaches and we have defensive guys that take a lot of pride in what they're doing. And I think, you know, we came out, we didn't play very well to start the game. I, I'm not going to say we played bad. I just don't think we played very well. Uh, you know, I mean, still only gave up 10 points in the first half, uh, you know, and got a stop right before half that allowed us to get the score and take the lead and take the advantage. Um, you know, but I, I think our players, I think they understand that, you know, I mean, they look and they, they're looking. They, they sit there and say, hey, that, that's not the best we can play. And our coaches understand that too. And, you know, hey, we got to make some adjustments, make sure we make the adjustments for what they're doing. Uh, I think, Todd, we went through that at halftime. This is what they're, you know, teams come in and the game's so much about adjustments. You know, I mean, people are going to come in and do some different, have some different wrinkles and some different changes and do different things each week. I think our guys came in, made a great adjustment, uh, and, and our guys came out really motivated in the second half. I think they were probably a little disappointed with how they played in that first half, and that was Gator defense in the in the uh, really from you know the, the last two minutes, that last drive of the first half on. That was that was what we expect Gator defense to. Look. You know, you and Todd were going at it pretty well, well there. Yeah. Did we happen to see that, or the TVs catch it? Is that how you guys interact a lot of the time, or is it more today than usual? 
Well, I'll be honest with you. I got home uh, for Thanksgiving dinner, and we're neighbors, and he had his Christmas lights up in the front yard. Uh, you know, I said, we don't put Christmas lights up until after Thanksgiving. And he adamantly said, yes, we do. I put my Christmas lights up on Thanksgiving. I said, no, you don't. And so, um, you know, we agreed to disagree. So, so that's all stemming from the Christmas lights, huh? It wasn't even about that guy. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. No, I think, um, you know, I think, I think you get after it. It was just having the different discussions compared to the people. But I think, you know, you look at the job that they came in at halftime uh, and looking at how, how Kentucky was trying to attack us and came in and really kind of uh, shut them down early, we were able to get a lead, and then that gets Kentucky out of their whole game plan of trying to really slow everything down and milk the clock. Hey, Dan. Thanks for the kind words. Absolutely. I was just wondering, was today another example of how impactful Kyle Pitts is in this offense? Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, it's you look at the different weapons we have, and obviously he's one of our weapons uh, that's out there, and he's a dangerous matchup for guys on defense. And But, again, I think Kyle Trask does a good job not forcing him the ball. If you look at all of his catches uh, – you know, exposed place. He was he was the guy that was left one on one, or you know, I think one of them he was on a linebacker. Uh, you know, so so Kyle, I think does a great Trask does a great job of managing the situation and seeing, hey, who you're going to bracket, who you're going to roll coverage to, where's our best matchup on the field, um, and he doesn't force it. And you know, the the thing is, is Kyle Tra uh, Kyle Pitts becomes a matchup problem for a lot of people, and you know, sometimes he's hard to leave one on one. You know, you leave a corner on him one-on-one, -on -one, he's got great size. You leave a backer on him one-on-one, -on -one, he's got great speed. And, and, you know, when they left him one-on-one, -on -one, Kyle, uh, Kyle Trask took advantage of those matchups. Hey, Dan, I don't know uh, how much you saw this during the week, but some of Kentucky's defensive backs uh, had some trash talk for Kyle Pitts. Uh, how much do you think he gets motivated by stuff like that? I'm sure he goes out every Saturday with a target on his back. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. They did it, but they didn't. You know, hearing trash talk should probably back it up. Uh, but uh, um, I don't know if motivated. I think he's just. I mean, no one. I know Kyle Pitts is an extremely motivated person to push himself to be a great player every day. Uh, maybe that was probably why I had to warn him about some of the talk celebration afterwards after the officials came. And you know, he kind of after after he made his three touchdown catches, we kind of let him know. I, di I didn't know that, so um, maybe that was that was part of his uh, maybe an extra word or two to them after the plays. So. Uh, but I, th I know him. I know Kyle's an extremely self-motivated guy to push himself to be great. All right, Shane. So you can hear it there in Dan Mullen's voice. I mean, he's fired up, got his team rolling. And, and again, kind of like A&M a little bit, you know, they need the style points, but you're never going to apologize for winning a damn SEC game by 24 points. And now they've got their – now they're going to head up to Neyland Stadium for what could be a snow game. <laughs> Well, I mean, I will say this. Dan could at least kick the damn field goal there at the very end. I mean, I mean, well, come on, man. Help, help me help me out. So Give him some reps there. That's it, man. So, yeah, 24 and a half, just uh, so you guys are out. It's 24 points is what Florida beat Kentucky by. Man, I'm just cursed. <laughs> I'm absolutely cursed. But we got some other games that we're going to get to here in a minute that I made up for. Hey, hey, well, let's get over to the other side here, Shane, because one thing – that I did forget to mention there on the breakdown there. Kentucky, we we hit on the offense playing so poorly, but the special teams has also been a disaster, especially here in recent weeks. No special teams coordinator for Mark Stoops' staff. That's been called into question now, and if you missed it, they held Florida to a three and out on the opening possession, and then Florida faked a punt 
and they converted it. And then I believe it was the very next play they, is when they went to Kyle Pitts for the big touchdown. That got momentum going. And then right before half, I mean, Florida only scored two touchdowns in the first half. And the other one, Max Duffy punted it in the wrong direction. Flor- really credit Florida for setting up a, like a fake return. They had Tony on one side. They had, I believe, Henderson on the other. The entire of Kentucky special teams went after Henderson, but it was Tony, the one guy you got to watch out for. (laughs) He caught the ball, brought it to the house, and, I mean, that gave Florida so much momentum in this game, those two special team errors. If if not for those, you know, I know it was a 24-point game, but if not for those two miscues, Kentucky might have won this damn game. Yeah. I want to tell you, man, Max Duffy punting. Sometimes you forget until you watch one of these games. Like, he holds it back air. Sometimes he runs. Smokes a cigarette, you know, puts it out. Then he decides to kick it. It's like, it's like why don't you just rush? So, uh, yeah, it, it, he is really good. And he made a mistake. That's that's what it was. But, again, it was the, the turnovers. It was the, the pivotal punt return. I mean, they were just in bad, bad times. They were bad spots in the game. Total momentum changers, you know? Mm-hmm. So let's kick it over to Mark Stoops real quick on the, the special teams issues and the offensive issues. And he just seems to be at his wit's end here. you regret not having somebody in charge of special teams coming into the season? Is that something you're kind of reconsidering at this point, or is it less of an issue? Maybe it looks like it is. Well, I mean – I, I wouldn't say regret. I, I'm disappointed in certain plays. Um, you know, we have a Ray Guy winner that, that just, he missed a punt. I, I mean, I love Max, and Max is our guy, and he missed the punt. We're going d- dead left, and he shanked it right. He knows that, but I'm not going to, you know, give up on Max. He, he hit a bad, you know, he hit a bad and, and the same guy that was coaching or talking to our, our, our snappers, our holders, our kickers, our punters is the same guy the last five years. So nobody talks to the, the, those guys. Nobody's changed who talks to those guys in the last five years. Mark, talk a little bit about what happened with the offense in the second half when you only had – you went six straight possessions without a first down, only had less than 50 yards after looking so good early in the game. I know. It, it's uh, it's losing football, Larry. It's not good enough. It's You're not going to win games, you know, if you can't get first downs. And uh, so not good enough. On the offense, uh, there, was, there was plenty of success early on. Uh, is the defense just taking stuff away? Is it a failure to adjustments? But – it seems pretty similar to last week's game. It, it does. Um, it does. They're going to go in at halftime. They're going to take away the things that we had success with. We have to be able to counter that. And, you know, we have to be able to convert. You know, when we're, when we're creating drive stores, when we're throwing the ball on first down, or, you know, we, we, we got to complete some passes. And, um, you know, that, that's uh, – you know, you, you could tell when we were playing good defensively against a very explosive Florida team, you can only hold up for so long. They're going to create some explosive plays. We're not doing that. And um, we're trying. Um, you know, uh, it's a double-edged sword. Whether Eddie tries to throw on first down, then it's incomplete, and we're behind the chains, and we're punting. 
um, you know, we're, we're trying to, to, to uh, continue to create opportunities there. We're just not efficient enough. We're not good enough, and uh, that's on us, and we, we, we have to continue to work, and, um, you know, we got to get that fixed. All right, Shane, so <laughs> we like, sometimes we like to make fun of our predictions. It sounds like you may have nailed this one. <laughs> <laughs> Get his ass out of here. I'm just kidding. But yes. yeah, we gotta we gotta correct some of these issues. I mean, these are coaching issues that are that are killing Kentucky, you know what? Yes, they really are, man. And that's that's not something we expected this year. Uh if Mark showed us anything is that he's had a grip on coaching for a long time, but mm-hmm. they've been all out of sorts in twenty twenty, man. All right, Shane. Well, speaking of being out of sorts here for a while, at least on the offense, let's kick it on down to Georgia. Where they just opened a can here on South Carolina, forty-five to sixteen on the road in Columbia. This is the Georgia we thought we were getting. I don't want to give JT Daniels all the credit because this was one where you know the the offensive line and the running backs ran wild here. Three hundred and thirty-two rushing yards for Georgia, four touchdowns. But JT Daniels certainly was making big throws when they needed to, when he was called upon. And I mean, this thing was just embarrassing. I mean, they they got out first three possessions. They were up twenty-one to zero, and I believe South Carolina had something ridiculous, like fifteen yards. By the time Georgia had twenty-one points, this was one of those games where you know it was over immediately. But mm-hmm. you know, unlike some of these other games, let's give South Carolina some credit because it's not like they just they could have laid down and died here, Shane. But Luke Doty. I know he's he made a couple mistakes. He's a true freshman. He's hell this is his first ever start, but he looked impressive. This team never gave up, and Kevin Harris only had 51 yards in a touchdown, but on 17 carries here. But man, he was running like a man possessed because the entire Georgia defense was gunning for him. They yeah. knew they had to stop Harris and Luke Doty. They did a good job with it. Uh, Nick Muse also had a career day. Eight catches, 131, his first ever touchdown as, as a South Carolina Gamecock. But the story of the game here, Shane, and, and not trying to piss Georgia fans off, but it's just, I mean, this is going to be all offseason long. What could we have been with JT yeah. Daniels in the lineup? But, it, you know, I don't want to be totally negative because I'll say if they keep playing like this and they close the season strong, I think there's going to be major, major buzz for the Georgia Bulldogs to be number one in the nation in the offseason. So, I don't know, thoughts on all that? Well, a lot to take in there, Mike. And I will say this, the Georgia Bulldogs totally redeemed my gambling. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, I was able to, to make a lot of my money back during this thing and show us why or how... They showed us what Georgia could be, like you said. I mean, there's there's no way of, of slicing this thing. You're, you, I watched a balanced attack, and, and you can look at the stats and you say, well, Daniels only had 139 yards passing. Well, that's really all he had to do mm-hmm. because this thing got crazy real quick. Twenty, I mean, they went up 21 nothing like it was nothing. And when they actually were using the passing option and, and the running option and, and Georgia was showing that they don't have to be one-dimensional anymore, this was an electrify. It's like, holy shit, we have weapons on this team. That's that's what it felt like. And, and, and you're seeing stars emerge. Well, guess what, Mike? 
they've been there this entire time. They just needed a quarterback to get them involved. Uh, it was extremely impressive. And you saw what that passing game did. It opened up the run, the offensive line, man, those guys. And, and you got to remember, South Carolina was – they, they did limp into this thing. They had multiple players. I think they said 20 players out uh, mm-hmm. in this game, not including the opt-outs. Uh, so that was significant, and they took advantage of it. Four, four guys uh, on Georgia's team had over 70 yards rushing. And this is, uh, you know, this is Georgia football. I mean, yeah. 80% of the time you're going to have, or well, hell, probably 90, 95% of the time, you're going to have just a huge – talent advantage you want to lean on those teams but you're going to need that quarterback against the you know the 10 15 percent where you got a equal to close talent uh, discrepancy there that's where JT Daniels comes in because he's looked the part so let's kick it over to uh, Kirby talking about JT Daniels it continues to progress and on this Georgia offense if and if it's coming together like uh, they thought it would could you just assess the overall play of uh, JT a little bit? Obviously, this was a very different game that you, he was asked to uh, play today. How did you think he uh, did? What was your assessment? I did a good job. He took the things the defense gave to him. Uh, he made some good throws. Um, he understands protections. He knows what covers they're in. Um, he, he, he did what we asked him to do. And, uh, you know, I thought the one ball to Jermaine on the wheel down our sideline was the one I wish he could have back. And he underthrew it a little bit, and Jermaine may have still been able to catch it. But I thought he, I thought he played well. He understands uh, what we're trying to do, and uh, he did a good job handling the offense. Kirby, I know every game's different. A lot depends on the opponent. But does it seem like – this point of the season, Todd, with the offense and the, the play calling and the rhythm, is, is really starting to get a rhythm and feel for the strengths of the offense and, and what you need to do every game to really you know, apply those strengths. Yeah, I, I definitely think that. I think he's a really good play caller. He's really uh, does a good job being aggressive. I think he's been playing with a you know, a, a partial deck, some of the some of the games because of the injuries and the youth. And we knew that, like we knew there was going to be youth and that we were going to invest in that youth and that it was going to grow and get better. And, uh, you know, I think that we know we've got some really good young players on offense that have a lot of potential, uh, that we've got to try to maximize that potential and, and keep getting them better. But I like the rhythm of things and uh, certainly think that the players hearing the plays Week seven, week eight, week nine are a lot better off than they were week one, two, and three. Uh, yeah, Kirby, uh, over these past two games, do you sort of feel like the offense is sort of getting close to reaching that balance you've been striving for? And, you know, looking ahead, does it sort of give you confidence in what they can become, you know, later this year and, you know, potentially heading into next year too? Yeah, I'd like to think so. Um, you know, we've got some seniors out there that aren't going to be back that are going to have to be replaced. But uh, I'm, I'm really just focused on the next week of Vanderbilt and saying this is the seniors' last home game, and we want them to go out on top. They've got a chance to be the winningest or possibly close to the winningest senior class to ever play at Georgia. And they're not even going to get a you know a complete season, a 10-game conference schedule. So to, to, to put that in there with their four years, pretty tough and to still come out with the most wins possibly ever of a senior class that's what I'm worried about for them is I want them to to be able to have that feather in their cap and uh that they help build this thing at Georgia all right Shade so I thought kind of the funniest thing there from from maybe this entire 
coach's comments of this entire show was Kirby talking about the offense, you know, play caller coming together. And at no point does he say, well, hell, we got quarterback now. But, <laughs> I mean, that's what we're all screaming. It's, it's, it's got nothing to do with the play calls, I don't think. I think it's got to do with having a guy like a JT Daniels that can, you know, fit the ball in the tight windows and push the ball down the field and get the playmakers involved. And, hell, the interception he did have, he hit his damn receiver and then hit, and he mm-hmm. threw it up in the air. And then the South Carolina defensive back, Jamie Robinson, made a hell of a play on the ball. So I wouldn't even put that on JT Daniels. But Mm-mm. it's just kind of funny how Kirby won't say, well, yeah, we got a quarterback now. <laughs> <laughs> he, he won't admit we were all right all along. So I just – I hey, now uh, I want to talk about negative stuff, but I'm going to bring it up. Mm-hmm. It, now, so uh, Dwan, he's gone. Right? Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, so it sounds JT Day is the future, man. So, yeah, Dewan Mathis, he's leaving the program, not officially in the transfer portal yet, but I think, uh, you know, he was given his shot, and Georgia kind of basically moved on from him, you know what? So I think mm-hmm. it's a situation where it's kind of all parties involved, probably best if they separate here. Now, is there any chance at all that Georgia – gets brought up in the college football playoffs. Well, they were already ranked number nine, and there was a yeah. lot of talk. Oh, my God, why is Georgia ranked so high? Northwestern, <laughs> I mean, they're so good. Northwestern was ahead of them. They <laughs> lost a, a one-win one team, Northwestern lost this week, by nine points. Uh-huh. So their ass is gone. So at, at least number eight, maybe even higher. I mean, I think Georgia, Georgia yeah, kind of blew their shot, but – they're going to yeah. be they might they're be, be talked about they might think. be the last team out you know what now can i let me ask cuz you you follow this a lot closer than i do uh ohio state there's rumors that they may not even qualify for the uh their bowl, their championship game is that correct yeah so that that's the way the big 10 has uh, structured it where you have to have x amount of games and they've already had two games canceled They've left no room for, like the SEC, how they've left you know weeks right. there to, to fit in rescheduling. And Big Ten didn't do that. They, they couldn't do it because they jumped in so late to the party. But So if Ohio State has one more cancellation, and they the reason they canceled this last week is because they had uh, COVID issues. I, and I think it's just tracing issues, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, there's, there's not a – it's not a guarantee that their next game will get canceled, but if, if any games of theirs get canceled, they cannot play in the Big Ten Championship. But from what I understand, Shane, mm-hmm. the playoff committee could still pick them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they might even cruise even more to the oh, – if they just beat geez. the hell out of everybody they play and still don't play in the Big Ten Championship, I think they're still eligible for the playoffs. So, hell, it, they may have just done themselves a favor by catching some COVID. Yeah. So stupid. There's a pod for that one, Mike. <laughs> yeah, so Georgia, just so the listeners know, Georgia's got Vanderbilt, so obviously they're going to crush them. And then uh, they got the Mizzou game to make up, right? Yes. So, I mean, it's they really need a top 25 to really get in discussion, and unfortunately I don't think they're going to get it. Hey, the other side of this one real quick, Shane, again, let's credit uh, South Carolina, which, you know, they got a damn half a roster here. But they're playing their guts out. And like I said, yep. they, they got down big time in this game. And, you know, they kept fighting 
till the very end here. So let's, uh, and I thought some, you know, I kind of joked around about Kirby having some of the worst comments here. I think Mike Bobo, even though they got their, their ass stomped here, I thought, I thought he had some of the best comments here talking about Luke Doty is kind of emerging as a leader. Mm-hmm. And then on the players refusing to give up and responding to the challenges uh, pre- presented in front of them. Hey, Mike, uh, on the topic of fight, just how much fight did you see from both Luke and Kevin in the way that they kind of approached and played today? Well, uh, it was good to see uh, Luke Doty. It was, I mean, I'm looking at his, his numbers and, you know, completed a high percentage. Obviously, the two turnovers uh, are not good, uh, but sometimes you're going to make mistakes as a young player. But his, his competition and the way he competes and the way he fights uh, is, is something that, that can be built around. Uh, just finished talking in there, and Luke's the one that grabbed them together and broke it down, uh, which was good to see, uh, taking ownership, you know, of, of, of his play in this team. And, and that's, what this, that's what this team needs is, is leadership. And, and for a freshman to step up and be vocal uh, was good to see. Kevin Harris, you know, it was tough 53 yards that he gained. I know he caught some, what, four catches for 30 yards. You know, I wish we could have gave him a little bit more space, but that's that's a that's a tough defense. It's tough to run against. Uh, but I, I thought, you know, it wasn't his best game statistically, but I thought it was his best game as far as breaking breaking yards. I mean, having yards after contact. Really good game by him. Mike, can you talk about the character of your team? You're down 45-10. You got the ball on your own two of just fighting and putting together a 98. 98- uh, yard drive there in the fourth quarter. Well, I, I, I've been proud, uh, you know, of these guys uh, really, you know, the last couple of weeks of, you know, when things haven't gone well, uh, there's been a there's been a continuation of, of effort and fight and strain and and offensively really that that they've been led by Sedarius Hutchinson up there and then you know you got it on the one so let's just go 99 or on the two let's go 98. Uh, the guys played for 60 minutes. They didn't look at the scoreboard, and obviously it wasn't in our favor. And just to, you know, to do that at the end of the game with some young players in there, with Luke Doty, Rashad Amos, busting the run, uh, you know, and I can't say enough about Nick Muse, the way he played. Nick Muse is made of the right stuff. Uh, he really is. He, he's what you want as a Gamecock because he cares. It's, it's important to him. It's important to him, and it, and it, and it shows in, in his play. Yeah, Coach, when uh, you've already got a number of players out or down, and all of a sudden right before the game you have a number of other key players crashed, what do you kind of say to your team to really kind of keep their heads in the game, not let them go to, you know, get too down when they know they're going to have to move forward without a lot of very good teammates? Well, it's, it's, it's you know, you kind, of, you kind of relate it to things aren't going to go the way you want, you know, for the rest of your life. You know, you think things – we always see that there's this, you know, this perfect – perfect life when you look on social media these perfect programs where everything we think happens you know the way you know where everything's great but it's not everybody's got issues everybody's dealing with problems it's how you respond to those things and how you how you stand up and part of being a man is 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 standing up and going to work uh and providing you know for your family doing the right things and that's that's been my message that's been our coaches messages I think our coaches have done a great job of not flinching uh, of coaching who's out there. We had a number of guys that hadn't taken a snap uh, tonight that played. Uh, they coached their tails off. They got ready to play, and those kids are going to be better better for it uh, because, one, they went through this, one, they had to play, uh, and I think they responded the right way. And, you know, I think you learn more when you get your butt kicked uh, than you do sometimes in success, you know, and, and we're still playing a game of football. 
Um, you know, our, our, our Reverend Jackson in the, in the devotion the other day, you know, talked about sometimes, you know, we'll be, we're, happiness is, is based off what happens, you know, but we got to look at the pure joy of, of being alive and being able to play the game. Uh, you know, it's not just our circumstances, it's what we get to do. So that's kind of been our, been our message. Uh, it's not the way we envision it, and it's never going to be the way you envision it. You know, every player that's ever went to school, it doesn't happen the way they thought it was going to happen when they got recruited. You know, you're hit with adversity. How are you going to respond? All right, Shane. So, I mean, if I'm a South Carolina fan, if nothing else, I think I'm pretty damn fired up that it looks like the next coach, of course, we don't know who that's going to be. It's sounding more and more like Shane Beamer, but whoever it is, they're going to – Looks like they're going to have a hell of a quarterback leading the way, and that's all you need, man—a quarterback and a and a coach. And yeah. hell, I mean, look at what Arkansas did. I'm I'm not saying South Carolina is going to automatically do that. I don't I don't know if that should be the expectation to turn it around that quick. But if Luke Doty is just gets better and we get the right mm-hmm. hire here, we're looking at a quick turnaround here in in Columbia. No, that that's right, and and that's the thing—they've got pieces. So I, I think it's a very, yeah, it's a sexy job because you've got you've got good players coming back, you've got a lot of talent, and you've even got some in the pipeline and recruiting if you can get in there soon enough and 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 seal those up. So I I think the the future is extremely bright for South Carolina here, and it just takes like you said, I think it takes an offensive offensive mind coach. I, I think it takes uh, somebody that can get this talent fired up. And, and I I don't know, man. I just – I look at this roster, man. I, I think of like NCAA. Like you, you picking a – you want to pick a struggling team, but you want to pick one that's got some really young players with some, some high attributes. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. what they got, man. They got a full team full of those guys. And uh, they just need somebody to orchestrate it and put it all together. They just need – that's what they need. And uh, if they do that, buddy, watch out. South Carolina could be dangerous pretty soon. Yep, a good quarterback, some good running backs. Sounds like Ernest Jones is committed to coming back. Mm-hmm. A great, talented defensive line. And Shaw Smith's thinking about coming back, depending on the coaching hire. Right. So they hire an offensive guy like they're saying. He'll. I would imagine there's a good chance he comes back. And, I, you know, I, I don't know if all South Carolina fans will agree with this because it's been a little toxic here the last couple weeks following Muschamp's departure. But I really think that uh, the culture, I know they didn't win enough, and that's obvious. That's why the change was made. But I think the culture around that program is very, very strong. And I think mm-hmm. that's going to be – attractive to the next coach too because I don't think it's going to be a situation where you're you know I'm not trying to throw Mississippi State or some of these other programs under the bus but you know we've seen the new coach comes in there and it's like damn half the roster is gone by a year I don't think we're going to have that at South Carolina I think I think uh, the vast majority of these guys are they're they're there for a reason and I don't think they're going to you know just transfer out as soon as uh, the new coach comes in yeah, I don't either. I don't either. And I, I like if you were to give odds, do you think what what odds would you give it to Beamer? Because I'm here a lot, man. I, it sounds to me like it's almost a, like he's already picking assistants and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something. It sounds kind of like eighty percent. I'd give him the odds. Okay. I may I may try to reach out. Hey, we got Vanderbilt open now too. I'll see what I can do, Shane. Maybe we give us a give us an update on the South right. Carolina coaching search from some. One of these insiders out there. Yeah, that's what I'd like to hear. 
<laughs> All right, so let's uh, jump on down to the Egg Bowl. Because, man, this was the best game of the weekend. First off, Mike, again, extremely frustrated. The Iron Bowl and the Egg Bowl on at the same damn time when we could have been watching it on Thanksgiving because there was no games that I wanted to watch on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Sankey, uh, maybe Sankey needs to be suspended after that decision. <laughs> seriously, man. I mean, seriously, watch, watch one quarter of that Oregon-Oregon State game mm-hmm. with the bright orange and the bright – yeah, I was like, what the <laughs> hell? Is this thing sponsored by Sharpie or something? It looked like a bunch of highlighters running around out there. So, no, I, was, I couldn't stand it. I just couldn't stand the off. I just couldn't stand that football. And just knowing that we had an opportunity to showcase every team in the SEC, and we did not take advantage of it. So, yeah, this one's on you, Sankey. But – Nonetheless, Shane, <laughs> Egg Bowl know, was entertaining as hell. Yes, it and was. That kind of goes right to your point. I mean, this is a this would have been a showcase game for the SEC. Two of the more interesting coaches in the SEC. We've got two young quarterbacks. I mean, this has got prime time written all over it. Uh, these teams combined for well over a thousand yards of total offense, and it was a, just an aerial display. Of course, Ole Miss wins at 31-24. to 24. Probably should open with that. But what is it, Shane, when Lane Kiffin, I mean, my God, he hates – he must hate his kickers. I mean, even Mike Leach is saying it after this one. This uh, – Ole Miss had plenty of chances to put this out of you know, out of contention here. But uh, Lane Kiffin, you know, and I guess he is who he is. He, he goes for it a lot on fourth down. I think you like that if you're playing Alabama. I think if you're playing Mississippi State, you got to have a little bit different strategy uh, because – Mississippi State had an opportunity, Hail Mary, end of the game to tie this thing up when uh, Ole Miss probably should have won this by several scores. But, you know, at the end of the day, the Egg Bowl's back in Oxford. That's all that matters to fans. But I don't know, what was your takeaways from this one? Elijah Moore, he had another huge game, 139 yards. Matt Corral, 385 and two touchdowns. The other side, Will Rogers. I mean, he's going to set probably every record there is at Mississippi State 440 yards, three touchdowns. Been calling for this guy for weeks. He's the future of Mississippi State. And then all of a sudden, we got Jaden Wally, who tore up Georgia. Now he's tearing up Ole Miss. Nine catches, 176 yards. This was a damn fireworks show, wasn't it? And with the catch of the day, Mm -hmm. dude, I'm telling you what, this, you want to talk about a bright future? Man, how can you not watch this? I know, I know Mississippi State lost. But you're watching true freshmen going out there and freaking ball. I say that to say this, because on the other side of the ball, freaking Ole Miss has got a hell of a coach too. And and Lane Kiffin, I, mm-hmm. I just it, – it's different. Every – you know, I, you, you look at the Pirate and the, the air raid, you kind of know what you're going to be getting. With, with Lane, it seems like he's got something dialed and schemed up every single week that's different than the week – before and and yes i know he made some crazy decisions down there in the red zone and not kicking an extra point but that's that's what we want man i mean this is i mean think about it would you do you want extra or field goals or do you want you want touchdowns that's that's the way i want my coach to be i want him to be yeah it may have bit him in the ass and almost did but hell if you get one of those to get seven points as opposed to two field goals you're still doing out pretty good so i i just 
I don't know. I, I like that aggressive call. Well, he cost like, me the spread is why I'm really upset. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't put any money on this one, man. In fact, I thought about putting the over, and uh, I was I was almost dead, man. I was like, man, this is going to be an over, but I'm glad I didn't. Uh, <laughs> but this one was a fantastic ball game. And, and just when you thought somebody was going to win it, next thing you know, Mississippi State got right back in it. It was just one of those you, just, you had to watch to the very end. And I know uh... – you know, I've said many times, this is, one, this is probably my favorite game, favorite rivalry in the SEC. It's nice to, you know, I know it's still very heated and these fans go at it, but it was nice to have this damn game where, you know, we didn't have to worry about potential brawls and, mm-hmm. and you know, the coaches hating each other and, and trying to <laughs> tell on each other the NCAA. I mean, all that's fun. It sure is fun from the outside looking in, but I think uh, this is going to be a very fun yet uh, entertaining rivalry. Help Lane Kiffin trolling Mike Leach after it. I don't know if you've seen it, Shane, all over social media. So he certainly is having fun with it. But at the same time, I don't know. It, it just it seems like not as dirty. And it's it just seems uh, more high-flying and entertaining. And, and it certainly seems like these are probably going to be, you know, two programs that are, on the rise with these coaches once they get more of their guys in more once they have full rosters to actually <laughs> work with i mean we thought this was going to be entertaining just wait for the years to come you know what yeah i mean but this is the first game okay so next game is gonna i think would be a little bit more heated so <laughs> I, i'm, I'm kind of with you obviously not as dirty as it was last season but uh, it's still there, man. We still had a lot of celebrating after this game, even though they weren't supposed to. We weren't supposed to touch that trophy. <laughs> and then I'm watching <laughs> every one of them kiss it, and I'm like, man, if, if put your mask on because I can already hear them now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, let's kick it over uh, to Lane Kiffin real quick, talking about those uh, red zone failures for Ole Miss. Elijah Moore breaking the Ole Miss record and then on having to deal with uh, having next week off again. You talked about the red zone a little bit. Just was there a common theme you were seeing, or was it just a couple of plays that went wrong? Well, I mean, the first one, the ball's right in your hands, you drop it. So, you know, I don't. That's nothing they did. Um, you know, huge momentum. We go, they go three and out. You know, we're going to go right down the field. Um, you know, and score there, and you know, we drop it. So, um, you know, big. You know, I think three three possessions in the red zone where we only got three points out of all three, you know, would have made the game a lot different. Coach, uh, Elijah Brooke, AJ Brown's single-season receptions record today. How impressive is that? And not only breaking the record, but doing it in so few games, doing it in SEC-only slate, all that. Yeah, it's really amazing to whatever, eight games, to do that in eight games. Um, all SEC opponents, you know, I. When we first got her, I sat him down after watching his film and said, hey, you know, you're going to break the, you know, SEC record, you know, not just the school record, but the SEC record. Well, I thought we were going to play, you know, 12 plus a bowl game. So um, it really is amazing. And he, he's just a great player. You know, he was cramping at the end, stayed in there. And, you know, it was, it was awesome, especially, you know, after what happened last year. Just how do you think your players responded with that post-game celebration? What was the locker room like? I mean, winning the rivalry game for the first time in three years, how big was that for some of these veterans that hadn't won yet? Um, I mean, I don't know. How many years had it been? They hadn't won yet. You said? 17. Oh, okay. So I didn't even know that. Um, 
I think it meant more to them than me, you know, and so I was excited we won, obviously. Um, but, you know, they've, they've been there, a lot of them growing up here, so, you know, it kind of kind of means more to them. But I was excited, obviously, after the win, but then to see them in the locker room, you know, it was like one to, you know, Super Bowl, uh, which, which was neat to see them so excited. So they put a lot of work in to get at this point. Yeah, I mean, you've had an unusual progression, I guess, of open dates to have to deal with this late in the season. Um, you know, how, how do you keep them sharp? How, how do you keep them sharp uh, knowing that they're not going to have a game next weekend and uh, you still got two big ones left to play? Yeah, it's almost like we play, we don't play, we play, we don't play. Um, so, you know, we talked about it today, you know, just finding that out. So not sure exactly what we'll do, but probably similar to last week. You know, can't really treat it as a bye week and, you know, give them the whole weekend off because they need to keep playing and keep this momentum. All right, Shane. So we haven't addressed this either, but uh, on last Friday, so the SEC reworked the schedule again because they wanted to get Alabama LSU up there, wanted to get Arkansas Missouri in. And what that means is uh, Ole Miss Mississippi State, they're going to be off once again. And... <laughs> They're, you know, you credit Lane Kiffin, and he deserves all the praise, but they're not doing him any favors, Shane, with uh, this week you're on, this week you're off, this week you're on. And I, it sounds like uh, the way Ole Miss is playing, he wants to be on every week because he thinks they can they can outscore just about anybody, you know what? Yeah, no, I, I, th- I think that's the thing. It's, uh, it's that momentum train, you know. We've got to keep that thing going, and, and it, it sucks when it is. You have a stop-and-go situation here because – both these teams, I, I, I think you look at Mississippi State, man, you think about what they've done the last two weeks. All they need is, a, is another shot. I, I know that they fell short against Ole Miss, but who do, who do they got next? Auburn? Is that the way this thing's going to play out? Or Right, but it won't be for two weeks. Yeah, so, I mean, just think about it. If you could have had that game this week, I, mean, I think I would like I would like those odds just mm-hmm. the way Mississippi State's playing and then Auburn coming off that tough loss. But um, a little, little break sometimes is a bad thing. Right. Well, hey, let's kick it over to Mike Leach real quick, who he's hacking up along here as he talks, yeah. as he always <laughs> does. But he's pretty. he sounds like he's fired up for Will Rogers and Jalen Wally, that connection, just both true freshmen. Mm-hmm. He gets uh, mad about someone calling, <laughs> calling out uh, his timeout selections and, and the thought process there. And, hell, even he was surprised Lane Kiffin kept going for it on fourth down. He thinks uh, they hate the kickers there in Oxford. Mike, you guys got over 400 yards passing from Will tonight. It seemed like the offensive line held up kind of like you hoped. What did you kind of see from him, and and how did he kind of compete tonight? I thought the offensive line um, pass protected better. I think we're getting better and better at pass protecting. I thought Will did a good job keeping uh, extending plays with his feet. Uh, I thought our receivers, <clears throat> definitely on some of them, uh, in scramble situations, uh, reacted and uh, got in positions, you know, to make plays. Uh, I think that uh, Will's pocket awareness is definitely improving, so that helps out the O-line, and the O-line's improving, so that helps him out. And uh... Coach, it seemed like you got some pretty good wide receiver play. I know you haven't reviewed the film yet, but how do you feel like guys like Malik Keith and Jaden Wally played for you tonight? I thought Jaden played really well. Uh, <coughs> I thought Jaden played really well. I thought uh, 
Malik uh, did some good explosive things. Uh, kind of ran out of got a gas late. Uh, you know, I think Jaden uh, <coughs> Jaden's uh, really playing extremely well for a true freshman. Coach, you said there was a lot of areas that you guys need need to improve in. What are you most encouraged about going forward? I, our effort, our effort, and the. the our effort and the way we finish this game, that's the most encouraging. I think that's where everything starts because if you have good, honest effort and uh, do it with clarity, you're going to improve, you know, because that's where everything starts. I mean, there's no improvement without that, you know. Mike, on the, uh, on the next to last drive, uh, when, when you guys were down 10, I think you had to call a couple timeouts on that drive. Uh, just hindsight being what it is, were you – were you pleased with, I guess, the, the time management on that drive? Is there anything you would have liked to have done differently? Uh, no, I was very pleased with the time management on the drive, certainly on my part uh, and our sidelines part. There were uh, those that I wasn't pleased with, but uh, that won't be addressed uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, uh, some, of them, some of them potentially financial. And, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, save all that for the last drive. Well, I mean, burn it this drive, save it the last drive. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of like asking, uh, okay, we're going to stab you. Which knife you want to get stabbed with? I mean, so you may not have liked the way those timeouts went. I thought they went great. So uh, when you coach your team, you can go ahead and call the timeouts how you want. Mike, you guys got a couple of fourth down stops that kind of kept you guys in it in the first half. Was that something you expected for them to do a lot, be aggressive in those short situations? No, I was quite surprised at that. I uh, I haven't done, done a COVID count of them. Everybody's uh, quite sick, secretive about it. Um, the, yeah, they did uh, go for fourth down more than I expected. And, I mean, there was definitely a point where I was wondering to what extent they hated their kicker. Uh, or their putter, and um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, they sure did, and they, they looked good at it a couple times too. So I don't know. Hopefully, next time around, those two guys can win the popularity contest over there. But it looks like they're down right now. So I, <laughs> the reason I really wanted to include that comment, Shane, because while we did say the uh, the egg bowls getting you know a little less heated. It certainly sounds like some rivalry, uh, maybe some recruiting, like maybe Mississippi State going after some of these kickers Ole Miss is after because he went pretty hard on the special teams, how they hate him down there in, in, in Oxford. You know what? I love it, man. I love it. All right, Shane, final game here. Missouri beat the hell out of Vanderbilt, 41-0. to We already talked about this a little bit, but, uh, you know, the real story here for Missouri, obviously their side of it, I mean, we are just – Firing on all sellers. And, you know, there's so many teams around the SEC. We've kind of hit on it. Kentucky, Arkansas, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Missouri. You know what those all those teams have in common, Shane? What's that? They're just devastated right now with, you know, basically not being right at the limit of having players to play. Mm-hmm. And the only one that's winning is Missouri. And not only are yeah. they winning, they're beating the, they beat the shit out of Vanderbilt here. <laughs> I mean, this was a complete... Just mauling here. They've rushed uh, 223 yards, nearly six yards per carry, 380 passing yards. They did whatever they wanted to Vanderbilt. 
it was uh, just not competitive at all. And this is a type of performance with uh, so much attention put put on this game because of Sarah Fuller. This is a this is how you get a coach like Derek Mason fired. Who you know the last couple weeks, you know I don't think you ever fire someone after just because of one game, but. You know, Mason had seven years to show something, but week in, week out, his team was fighting hard, and then this happens, and I don't know if it was more Vanderbilt, you know, not showing up, or if it was just Missouri's this damn good, and all of a sudden, they're the third-place team in the SEC East, Shane, and like I said, they got half a damn roster here. Missouri's looking damn good right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just thinking about when <laughs> – Mason was asked last week about about the AD and the if he's getting he's like yeah well they know where I'm at and mm-hmm. apparently they found him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I like Coach Mason. I I I, I do. I, I've 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 always. I mean, and this has come from a Tennessee fan. I always enjoyed listening to him talk. Always listen to his you know, his thoughts on, on college football and the SEC and uh, the student athletes. I, I think he's done a great job. I thought the AD had some kind words when he left and um, she made some really good points. You know, he, he's always been um, about the student athletes. So I, I, I wish coach Mason the best, but it's, it's time, man. It's time for the next chapter in Vanderbilt. Um, clearly they've hit the ceiling out there a long time ago, man. And they, they need some fresh blood in there. So, uh, this one was big. I, I, I think this was a, this was one we were expecting at the start of the season. Um, it's just, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Eli, I heard on your radio show, you said you kind of used Vanderbilt's win last year as motivation what was kind of your your thought process in doing doing that I mean every week you try to figure out what your edge is going to be and trying to motivate your guys and you know I think last year we were all embarrassed um you know when the headline says knocked out in Nashville you know that's something that you want to remember and use as something to increase your focus and make sure that we don't take anybody for granted and so and I told them it's it's not about what happened it's about what are you going to do about it you know what are you going to do about it you know, I wasn't even here, but our staff, most of our staff wasn't here. But I said, we're going to do something about it. And we owned it and tried to do something about it. Eli, uh, it doesn't seem like we were calling Connor Bazelak's name a whole lot today. But, you know, just to, to manage the game and hand it off to Larry and get it to Tyler, you know, what do you think about his performance? Well, if if going 30 for 37 or 318 yards is a pedestrian day, I would take it all week long or every game he ever plays. I mean, I think. That's a pretty special stat line. I know he didn't throw any touchdowns, but uh, you know I think he played a pretty pretty solid football game. Uh, I don't, I can't get that math right off the top of my head, but it's well over seventy percent, three hundred yards, so pretty good. Yeah, Eli, how much long term benefit do you think there is in getting guys reps like Brady Cook, guys like Brady Cook and Chris Abrams, dream getting them reps in like an actual game setting? How much benefit is there? Yeah, I mean, experience is the best teacher. Brady Cook went four for four and threw a touchdown. You know, Connor was on the headsets. I said there, said there might be a quarterback controversy. I mean, anytime you can play in a game and get in there and execute, it just gives you confidence so that when your number's called, you lean back on that experience. And I thought Elijah Young ran really well. Um, Chris Abrams Drain got in there. J-Mac was in there. Looper was in there. Um, Brady Cook played well. You know, so, yeah, it's great. It's great. We need it.
you know, I know when the year began, you really wanted to rely on this defense because that was the more experienced unit. Just, just how close are they playing to the level where you kind of thought they could be? Pretty damn close. I mean, 196 yards, no points, one touchdown in the last two games. That's, that's pretty good. Um, so they're, they're doing a nice job. They've, they're as healthy as they've been in a while uh, on, on uh, the defensive front. You know, we've, we've got a really good rotation at corner right now. And so, and you got Nick Bolton anchoring that thing, just hammering out 10 tackles a game like it's nothing. Um, so you got a pretty good special unit right now. Obviously, we're only as good as our next performance. We're really going to get tested next week. I mean, that, that that offense is really good. They got two legit wide receivers. Their running back's really good, and their quarterback's playing at a high level. So we'll get tested next week for sure. How impressive is it, though, Shane, that uh, in year one, with no spring football, breaking in new quarterbacks, having COVID issues, having opt-out issues, Missouri looks to be, I mean, there are there they are third in the, in the East right now, but, I mean, I'm looking around the, the division outside of Florida and Georgia. I think they beat the shit out of the, the entire rest of the division right now. I mean, how incredible is this? No, it's, it's it, I, I think it, if you think about the new hires, because I always like to compare, you think about Mizzou, you think about Arkansas, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. So out of those guys, who's doing the best? And, and a lot of people are wanting to talk about Lane Kiffin. A lot of people are wanting to talk about Coach Pittman. A lot of some even even mentioned the Pirate, you know, here lately. But I, I think you got to look at Coach Eli, man, and, and say what he's been able to do with the roster and the COVID situations and the and the restrictions that he had on his program. I mean, he's just the, he's just finding a way, man. He's going into some games, some games that he was big underdogs, and they're coming away with victories. And and now the, it's another team that just feels like they're getting freaking stronger. And who they got ahead? They got Arkansas. I mean, if they beat Arkansas and they're sitting there at five and three, mm-hmm. I mean, is that where nobody nobody had Mizzou going five and three? No, no, no chance in hell. And maybe, you know, and I don't want to. I've been touting Sam Pittman, coach of the year, for a long time. But hell, maybe we they go head to head to head. I mean, yeah, maybe that's the game that decides it. You know what? Absolutely, could have been a little premature on that one, and <laughs> uh, and who knows if if Georgia, I mean, we got Georgia right around the corner, and, and I'm not saying that that th- they should put them on upset alert, but uh, all of a sudden that game just got a little bit. I mean, there there could be a serious chance if if Mizzou wins against Arkansas, and they go against Georgia, there's a good shot that both those teams are going to be top 25 teams. Mm-hmm. And you know, last thing I'll say on Missouri, Missouri, Shane, we'll all know that Eli Drinkowitz is doing a hell of a job when Cousin mm-hmm. Shane is already wondering, well, you know, when's he going to jump to that next job? <laughs> <laughs> Has he got any pro experience? <laughs> all right, Shane, last thing before we uh, head out the door here. We got the week 11 opening lines, buddy. You ready to guess some opening lines? buddy let me see if i get it pulled up here all right yes i am ready all right uh and they just they waited till now shane to announce the uh, kickoff times i'm gonna run down the kickoff times real quick just because uh that's i know that's something we all enjoy we got two nooners this is gonna be a hell of a weekend here shane texas a&m at auburn at noon on Mm. espn 
That's going to be a great game. The game we were just talking about, Arkansas at Missouri, the other noon game on the SEC Network. Florida, Tennessee, 330 on CBS. How about that, buddy? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Gary's excited, ain't he? <laughs> well, hey, we hold up. This is a double header. So Gary, oh. Gary is going to be at the night game. The night game, Alabama oh. at LSU. So you, you're going to get a break from Gary, Shane. Good. But yes. We'll, so we'll have two CBSers and then uh, two other games: Vanderbilt at Georgia, four o'clock Eastern on SEC Network, and South Carolina at Kentucky, seven thirty on SEC Network. So, man, next weekend's looking like a. And they even did it right: two games on at a time, not mm-hmm. doubling up, not tripling up, not quadrupling up. <laughs> Thank God they did something right this time. But uh, absolutely. So let's talk the opening line chain: Texas A and M. At Auburn, what'd you have for this one? Uh, Texas A&M minus nine. I I said Texas A&M minus fourteen. It opened as Texas A&M minus four. So you win that Jeez. one, Shane. I mean, that's gee. You might want no to bet that one up, huh? Hell, they got it on at noon. They just they just marking these boys off, huh? <laughs> Texas A&M needs a big one, brother. They really do. How about this one, Florida at Tennessee? What do you got for this one? Florida minus twenty four. I said Florida minus 23, and I win it because it's uh, Florida minus 18. Oh, I bet that one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, you know how well we do on primetime, baby. <laughs> how about, uh, well, what if it's snowing? Didn't we, didn't we do something on that? Didn't Florida lose in the snow in Neyland Stadium? Yeah, well, Tennessee's never lost to Florida while it was snowing, so just throwing that out there. Ne- never happened. <laughs> Vanderbilt at Georgia. Thoughts on that one? Uh, Georgia minus 30. I said Georgia minus 28, and you win this one, Shane. They open as a 35-point favorite. Ooh, a couple field goals, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. How about South Carolina at Kentucky? Ooh, I got, uh, what did I put it here? Kentucky minus four and a half. I said Kentucky minus three. This is unbelievable. Kentucky favored by 13 points. Oh, baby, man. No respect for them Carolina Gamecocks, huh? <laughs> Are there any of these COVID kids coming back? <laughs> huh? They got 20 of them out. Is 10 of them going to come back or anything? I guess. Well, hell, Kentucky's out. I mean, what's the advantage here? They may mm. just have. They just you get your top eleven, I'll get our top eleven. <laughs> Arkansas at Missouri, what do you got for this one? Arkansas minus one. I said Missouri minus eight. I was way off. Missouri favored by one point here. Ooh, okay, all right. I, I think this is going to be a hell of a game. This is a noon game too. Yes, sir. Oh man. Okay, final matchup here. The closest spreads. Think about that. Vegas said the closest games, the best games on this week, Mm -hmm. was put them both on at (laughs) Twit. Final matchup, Alabama at LSU. What would you have for this one? Oh, Alabama, this is before the receiver, uh, minus 22 and a half. I said Alabama minus 30, and it's Alabama. It opened at 25. It's already up to 28, brother. Yeah, yeah, that's just, yeah, that's that's going to be an <laughs> ugly game. You know, I was looking forward to this one too. You know, you think about some of the games you're looking forward to start of the season. Mm-hmm. This was one, the rematch, going to be down there, Death Valley, and it's just like, yeah, 
maybe we could just put these guys on at noon, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. LSU, hang in there. You never know because, again, it's one of those teams, if they just, man, if they could figure it out, they could be fun to watch. So maybe it's this week. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, buddy, we uh, went on a long one here. Monday recap mm-hmm. show, a great weekend in the SEC. We're going to have some great podcasts upcoming, preview in these games. I'm going to try to get someone on to – Talk about the Vanderbilt job and someone mm-hmm. to uh, give us an update on the South Carolina coaching search. So uh, some some stuff I'm looking forward to, Shane. We're cranking down. The season's almost over, but we still got some good content coming before it's all it, before it ends here. Absolutely, man. I'm sorry we didn't get our points pick pod out, but uh, uh, we had some really good stuff. Really, <laughs> <laughs> I was 100 percent right, Mike. But <laughs> But uh, this one's a late one, too, man. It's it's almost, what, 10 o'clock now. So uh, we're going to jump off here. I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Hey, we, we still got college football. We've got a lot of action going on. Uh, this week should be great. Uh, we've got two teams now looking for a head coach. So hopefully Mike can line something up so we can get some insight on those boys. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, all the news coming out this week, Mike. Yes, sir. Well, if you made it this far, don't forget, give us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. and We give uh, each and every one of you a beer koozie of your choice just for doing it. That's uh, our way of saying thanks. But uh, that's going to close us out, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls.